Good morning, and welcome to UCC Longmont. I'm Amelia Richardson-Dress. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I am one of the pastors here at UCC Longmont, along with Reverend Sarah Varasco, who I think is in the back with the candles. She's waving to you. I know those of you at home can't, nobody can see her. She's waving to you. <laughs> it is a joy to be together today, as it always is, and it's a joy to get to welcome you along with Reverend Sarah with um, all of our music team, the rest of our staff and volunteers this morning. There is a place here that has been prepared for you in this season of Advent. Uh, as we come to prepare for all of the ways that God comes to us. And so it's our tradition here at UCC Longmont to welcome one another. And I invite you to join with me using the words that are printed in your bulletin. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. You know, we have come off of a week that may have been full for some of you and a week that may have not been as full as you would have liked for others of you. And so as we gather in this space, this community, we make room for all of those experiences, all of the ways that we show up here together in this time. And that's true whether you are joining us online or in person in the sanctuary. And when we come together, we know that God speaks to us in many ways. Sometimes God speaks to us in scripture, in song, and sometimes God speaks to us in silence. And so for a few minutes this morning, a few moments, let's rest in that silence, opening ourselves up even more deeply to the space that God might be creating to speak to us. And we will simply breathe together a few times this morning. Sometimes we come into these spaces to find God, and this morning I encourage you to let God find you in whatever way that happens through this service and through your week. Let us rise in spirit and sing the hymn in our bulletin. We're just going to use the words here, and Robert's going to play through the melody one time before we sing.
friends, will you be seated and join me in a spirit of prayer? The prayer is printed in your bulletin if you would like to read along or would like to use this uh, in some other way. But for now, let your eyes be soft or perhaps closed if that's comfortable. And I will pray this prayer on behalf of all of us. In each heart lies a Bethlehem, an inn where we must ultimately answer whether there is room or not. When we are Bethlehem bound, we experience our own advent in his. When we are Bethlehem bound, we can no longer look the other way, conveniently not seeing stars or not hearing angel voices. We can no longer excuse ourselves by busily tending our sheep or our kingdoms. This Advent, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that God has made known to each of us. In the midst of shopping sprees, let's ponder in our hearts the gift of gifts. Through the tinsel, let's look for the gold of the Christmas star. In the excitement and confusion, in the merry chaos, let's listen for the brush of angels' wings. This Advent, let's go to Bethlehem and find our kneeling places. May this be our prayer. Amen. We do have Children's Church this morning. This is an opportunity for any kids who would like to to join one of our Children's Church leaders. We just go right down the hall to room 12, and we come back before the end of the service to make it easy for parents to reconnect with their grown-ups. This morning, I get to lead Children's Church, which I'm really excited about, so I will meet uh, anybody who would like to join me right here in the back, and I'll show you where we are going.
I just want to acknowledge that it can seem a little challenging sometimes, um, not in a bad way, but just like, is it Thanksgiving or is it Advent? <laughs> I've still got turkey in the refrigerator, pie on the counter. Well, maybe no more pie, but <laughs> some leftover somewhere. And here we are. And I want to be super clear that technically speaking, this is not the first Sunday of Advent, but it is here. So if you have friends, which I hope you do, and if your friends happen to go to other churches, you might not want to say that we started Advent already. <laughs> they might not get the right impression. But here's, here's why. Um, the fourth Sunday of Advent is Christmas Eve, which is a Sunday. And while I would love to have all of you be here on Christmas morning and Christmas evening or night at 7 o'clock, I don't know, I'm just kind of a betting woman. I'm just thinking maybe you'll come at night and we don't want to cut short Advent. And that's where we're coming from. So if you do come to all the services, which I hope you do, you get five weeks of Advent. <laughs> so Merry Christmas <laughs> and let's do it. And so because technically this is the reign of Christ or Christ the King Sunday, maybe you've heard of that. And if we couple it up with Advent, you know, church calendar is really like a circle, right? So you start here with Advent. Advent is week one, and you end with Christ the King. So we're like right in that sweet spot where they meet. And Christ the King Sunday says what we've been asking for two weeks. Choose this day whom you will serve and whom will you follow? Same question, just asked differently. And Advent, this year, we're going to be doing a series that is Jesus embodying God's commitment to love and justice. And that sentence will change throughout Advent, but that's the concept. Of who is this Jesus that we are waiting for and who arrives? and who is revealed, which is what Advent means. So if you remember, um, if not a little quick recap, last week's lesson was the parable of the talents. That's found in Matthew chapter 25. And the gist of that is, if you, the, the, the ruler, the king, or the owner, the person in charge there says, if you make me money, you're rewarded. If not, you'll perish. So that was the leadership of exploitation model. And on this Christ the King first Sunday of Advent, we have the judgment of the nations, which is also in Matthew chapter 25, but starts with verse 31. Now I'm not gonna read you that whole story because I have another story to illustrate that, but just to sort of um, tickle your memory here, or if not, just to give you a little sense of what that's about, the judgment of the nations is this huge scene where the person who's in charge separates people into two groups and basically says to this one group, um, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Is this sounding familiar a little bit? I was ragged or naked and you clothed me. I was sick 
and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. So in other words, this group here who's being addressed are the ones who were caring for the vulnerable. And this other group, they didn't do that. So that leadership style is, if you care for the vulnerable, you are part of God's reign. If not, this is just a scriptural reality, eternal fires and gnashing of teeth. What I like about the Cottonwood Bible is that it says, the place reserved for the confuser and his crowd. That's clever, isn't it? I like that. So it's a leadership of care and compassion, but there's still a place you don't want to go. There's still a group you don't want to be associated with in this teaching. And this place um, for the confuser and his crowd, which is never uh, referred to in such gentle language, it's actually quite violent language. The violence in these parables is more descriptive than prescriptive in that the stories illustrate a very real danger. It's a cautionary tale in some ways. They illustrate, illustrate the danger and the harm that results from our inability and unwillingness to see the needs of others. An inability or an unwillingness to see the injustice of some systems or the destruction of our choices. Because there are consequences to choices, to how systems are created, and to ignoring the needs of others. One of our young people traveled to New York City for the first time this past week, and it reminded me of a story about Fiorello LaGuardia. LaGuardia was the connection. Has anyone ever flown into that airport or out of that airport or through that airport? Yeah, Fiorello LaGuardia was a Republican mayor of New York City during the Great Depression and World War II. And just a little side note, it just so happens as I'm looking at Robert's dad, my father was in New York City during that time. His nickname, the mayor's nickname, was the Little Flower because he always wore a carnation on his lapel. And apparently, he, he reminds me of the scriptural character Zacchaeus. He was short in stature. Some say he was five foot, some say five two. Little round at the edges, wore a big hat. He was known to go with the fire department when they were raiding the speakeasies. He was also known to take orphans to baseball games. And whenever the newspapers were on strike, he read the sunny, Sunday funnies to the kids on the radio. And so here's the story. On a bitterly cold night in January of 1935, the mayor turned up in a night court that served one of the poorest districts of the city. 
The judge had already gone home for the evening, so the mayor took over on the bench himself. Oh, the good old days, right? Within a few minutes, an old woman in ragged clothing was brought in and charged with stealing a loaf of bread. And she told Judge LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her, her daughter was sick, and her grandchildren were starving. But the shopkeeper refused to drop the charges. It's a bad neighborhood, Your Honor, said the shopkeeper. She's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. The mayor exhaled and sighed. And he turned to the woman and he said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. $10 or 10 days in jail. And as he's speaking, the mayor reached into his pocket, took out a bill, and tossed it into his hat, saying, here's the $10 fine which has been received. In addition, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. $47.50 was turned over to the old woman. 50 cents of that amount being contributed to the now red-faced grocery store owner. The next time the mayor had a public appearance, he received a standing ovation. Now, I would vote for that mayor, would you? I would follow that mayor. I would say yes if he asked me to be a part of some committee or something. Go back and read Matthew 25, starting at verse 31 this week, and you'll hear the same story, just a little bit differently. The essential question even within the context of the judgment of nation story, is not about life beyond this life. It's about this life here and now and measuring the quality of our Christian commitment by the quality of concern we demonstrate for others. And I might add that was very creative, wasn't it? Of Mayor LaGuardia? Advent theme of hope is rooted in the possibility that the current situation is not the only situation. That an entire community, an entire nation, can be governed by a love and justice that liberates, that provides basic needs and creates a path of cooperation and contribution for everyone in the community. It's not a model of dependence. It's a model of cooperation and contribution. Everyone has something to contribute.
how often we fall back on the old pattern of just forcing people to remain dependent without creating a path to sustainable living, affordable living. How can we get creative in that way? So that I'm not always the giver and the other person isn't always the receiver. But the one who receives can also give and I can also receive. That's what community life is. Isn't it? And I've noticed that our young people seem to understand this and embody this different way better than older generations. Better than if you just work hard enough or work harder. Working harder isn't always the answer. A friend's son, who is her middle child, and she will say, my happy child, worked in a restaurant, and the tips were pooled. And he would regularly give his tips to a coworker, covertly, but make sure that she had more because she needed them. He said, you know, he's the kid who would be hungry, but if he saw someone else who would be hungry, he would definitely give at least half his sandwich. One of our own staff members actually called me one day and said, I have a friend who needs a job, and I already have a job, so she could have my job. Would that be okay? These are beautiful expressions of care and not dependence, but care and contribution and creativity. I loved that phone call. We hired them both. You see how that goes? This different way is what comes to life, what comes to birth, what arrives or what is revealed in Advent. That's why, lucky us, we get five weeks of it. We've got some learning and unlearning to do. We've got to change those messages that are not reflective of God's love and justice. That are not just based on reward and punishment. So let's see what the Spirit will do with us. And in that spirit, and in the spirit of prayer, let's rise in spirit and sing 
Come teach us, Spirit of our God, which is in your bulletin, and it will also appear on your screen. Robert will play this one time through before we sing. This is the time in our service when it is our tradition, our practice, to pass peace, pass the peace to one another, the peace of Christ, the peace of God, the peace that is within. We thought that with this week being the week where we light the candle of hope, that maybe we'd put a little spin on that, and rather than passing the peace, that we would instead pass the hope, or pass hope. And so I want to invite you to pause a moment and check in with yourself about what does that word bring up for you? Hope. Maybe it's a hope for something. Maybe it's a hope for someone. Maybe it's just hope. What is that for you? And then how would you share that with another? As I've been thinking this week about how to introduce the idea of passing the hope, that's the part that stumbled, that I stumbled on. 
And so I don't know how to pass the hope. But I bet you do. We each do in our own way. And so that's what I'd like to invite you to do now, is to, to turn to the person next to you, to the person behind you, to the person across the way, and pass the hope in the way that that resonates for you. Welcome that other person into an experience of hope at this time, of hope together.